It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call us at 312-726-1243. Hebrews 13 tells us to remember those in prison as if we were together with them. But what does this look like in practice? Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Michelle Clifton Soderstrom, Professor of Theology and Ethics at North Park University and the Director of North Park Theological Seminary's School of Restorative Arts. Housed in Stateville Correctional Center, the School of Restorative Arts offers an MA in Christian ministry and allows both free and incarcerated students to study together. Dr. Michelle, welcome to our show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about the School of Restorative Arts and how it got started? Sure. The School of Restorative Arts is um, part of North Park Theological Seminary, which is housed in North Park University. And we have three core distinctives. We are Christian, we are city-centered, and we are intercultural. And I've been teaching Christian ethics at North Park for about 15 years now, and I got tired of just teaching about social issues like poverty and lack of educational access and immigration and wanted education to be a vehicle for justice. Mm. So the school supported um, a sabbatical project looking at the feasibility of offering theological education to people who don't have access, and that landed us in prison. Great. Yeah, it sounds like the important shift from, like, say, information or knowledge to application that we often stress in church and small groups. It's really important to be able to connect ideas to action. So I really appreciate that. Um, What areas do those classes focus on? The curriculum itself is interesting, and we developed it in conversation with some of our students who are incarcerated. When we first started teaching there, we were simply piloting courses in field education around intercultural dialogue, and it was so successful, and the students inside enjoyed our courses so much, um, especially because they could bring their faith to what they were studying, which was different from what many of them had experienced. They asked us if we could consider looking at a full master's degree. So we built um, a master's of arts in Christian ministry with a restorative arts focus and students take courses from Old Testament to conflict transformation in the program. You've used the phrase restorative arts a couple times now. Can you define that for us? Yeah. So the overall program is designed to form people to be ministers in contexts that are susceptible to violence. We define ministry very broadly. So it could it could be look like traditional ministry in terms of preaching and teaching and Bible studies, but it could also be um, interrupting violence, de-escalating conflict, mentoring guys who are coming into prison and, and who are new, um, things like that. And so um, when we started looking at what the students were actually doing on the ground and wanted to do, we thought, you know, this is restorative justice in action. Mm. We call it restorative arts because it's a little bit bigger of an umbrella that includes restorative justice, but it also includes Things like personal healing, looking at one's own trauma, owning one's story, figuring out how to sort of transform one's life and story in ways that are 
um, particular to each student and what they feel like God has gifted them to do on the ground. I see. So uh, it sounds like the program is sort of dynamically responsive to mm-hmm. to what people are interested in and what um, the program directors feel like would be most helpful in that context? That's right. So I'll give you an example. One course that we offered inside, in part from the student's request, and most of our students are students of color and particularly African-American. So we decided to offer a course called Black Faith Matters. Um, And in the course, they read historians, black historians, black theologians like James Cone and Al Rabito. And out of that course, some of the guys said, I'm realizing now that I can share my faith with my brothers in prison because it isn't just a white Christianity, but it's informed by our own histories. And so that was a really um, Mm. good moment for us and looking at what we're doing in the curriculum needed to be adapted um, and responsive to the guys who were going through the program. Yeah. And I'm sure those adjustments also make the program more engaging, which is (laughs) something you're always looking to, to increase as an educator, I'm sure. Um, Was there something about the prison context specifically that appealed to you personally? Yeah, I, um, well, a couple things. One, I really believe in theological education and not just for people who want to be traditional pastors, but I think it's good for anybody who wants to go through a sort of rigorous discipleship program. So I was in thinking about access and justice and who doesn't have access. And I also grew up in a household where my mom taught in a juvenile detention center So I was able to see at a pretty early age who had access to certain things like education and who didn't. And so my own story came together with my disciplinary and scholarly interests and then the mission of North Park. And it was all sort of a perfect match to think prison is one of the most invisible places. It's the place where the church probably is not really aware of what's going on. And um, I got invited to come in and, and listen in on a course that a colleague of mine was volunteering and teaching. And we thought, this is where North Park should be. And I know it's the right place because the number of different constituencies within North Park's umbrella that have gotten involved on their own um, really underscore how good of a mission fit has been. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm of Mock and Baker. If you missed part of this show or want to hear other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit mockbaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today, we've been speaking with Dr. Michelle Clifton Soderstrom, Director of North Park Theological Seminary School of Restorative Arts, about the important work that the church can do in the prison context. Um, so before the break, Dr. Michelle, um, you were mentioning that, uh, you know, there was this recognition that um, churches need to be more present within prisons. Um, were there any initial challenges you face in establishing this program? Sure. I think one of the challenges is how do we go into a maximum security prison and offer a quality education and to do that in a way that both honored the safety and security protocols that the prison has, but yet also really make it a hum- education is a humanizing event and experience. And so to preserve that piece with some of the security pieces was, was initially a challenge. We've had some really good relationship building with um, our partners in the Illinois Department of Corrections and staff on the ground at Stateville. And that was definitely a help we had to build trust and we built trust for a few years before we actually offered the degree. Um, support from the churches came as well. People, um, 
like the idea of it, but sometimes when it gets into implementing it, that can become tricky. And so we're working on fundraising and things like that that is needed. But in terms of actually offering the courses, that has gotten quick buy-in um, because of the the change that has um, come in the students that are incarcerated, but also the change that has happened in our outside students in our campus. Hmm. Um, has uh, I'd like to, to definitely talk about... Um, the, the sort of change that you've seen in the students in the program. Um, but how has uh, being involved in the program, helping to establish it and continue to be involved in its implementation, how has that impacted you personally? It's, it's changed my life. I originally went in because I, you know, understood the theories of justice and again, wanted mm. it to be mobilized. Being in there has really um, helped me understand my role as an educator, which is learning um, from people who are primary sources around some of the the gravest social ills that we face. So our students um, come from um, economically distressed neighborhoods. They are predominantly people of color. They um, many of them have some forms of trauma. Um, and and all of those pieces come together. Um, I've learned a lot. Um, about education and as an educator, sort of what it means to be and make the classroom, I think, a healing space. Um, and part of that is examining my own privilege. It's really difficult sometimes to go in as a white, educated um, woman who's part of the professional elite, honestly, and to confront some of the realities that our students face and the, the hardships that they face in their own stories, as well as currently being incarcerated. Um, and to examine my own role and to think about who I am as an educator has been a challenge. It's very easy to come in and feel like I'm going to be the savior. People are glad I'm in there. Um, but yet that's not my role. My role is to um, offer the best of who I am and, and be a healing agent in the kingdom. And so that requires me to examine my own privilege, my own social location, and, and to constantly ask what I'm doing when I'm in there. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, have you noticed any specific ways in which your involvement with the program has impacted the way you engage with your students at North Park? Absolutely. So my my incarcerated students will ask very direct questions, and they will challenge me on my own um, when my own um, sort of deep racism that I'm you know trying to overcome. They'll give me direct feedback, and their feedback. Um, and the ongoing relationships and the trust that has been built in that class has given me sort of courage and also insight to address some of that on my own campus. We're a predominantly white um, culture campus, but we now have many students of color. And so to, to sort of be someone who's addressing racism from the white perspective has been a really um, good piece that I've learned and been able to put into action. Is there a particular Bible verse or passage that guides and focuses your work in this area? There is. Um, Matthew 25, which has always been my favorite um, text. Um, as an ethicist, it's on all my syllabi. Um, and I always read that text as where the places that we're supposed to be are, um, we're supposed to be with those who are hungry, thirsty, you know, immigrants, all of that. And I used to read that as a um, text about what I'm supposed to do to be saved. And now I see it as an inheritance. Coming up, we will talk further with Dr. Michelle Clifton Soderstrom, director of North Park Theological Seminary's School of Restorative Arts, about the immense impact this program has had on those both in and out of prison. I'm Terry Liu. This is Lawyers for Jesus.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at Mock and Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to mockbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we've been speaking with Dr. Michelle Clifton Soderstrom, director of North Park Theological Seminary School for Restorative Arts, about uh, the important work that they're doing uh, at Stateville Correctional Center. So before the break, Dr. Michelle, you mentioned that there's a verse that's near and dear to your heart, verses that are near and dear to your heart, Matthew 25, 31 through 44. And you mentioned that um, your understanding of those verses has sort of been turned on its head. Can you elaborate a little on that? Sure, I can. Matthew 25 has for about forever helped me outline the topics that I'm going to cover in my Christian ethics courses. So we cover poverty, we cover immigration, we cover um, health and what it means to be sick, um, and we cover incarceration. And uh, when I went into prison, I realized that the people that are primary locked up are those who come from impoverished areas and who um, are not citizens of this country and who suffer from mental illnesses and other illnesses. And I realized we are locking up the very people Jesus tells us to be with. And when I went back and read at that verse, I got stuck at verse 34, which says, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom that has been prepared for you. And all of a sudden it hit me that, that, these aren't people that I am going to bring the gospel to, but that Jesus said, these are your inheritance. And when you are with them, you will find me and the fullness of the kingdom will be revealed. Um, and that was a powerful moment. And I've experienced that by hearing some of the stories that men have shared. Um, I have one student who was shot in his bed when he was eight years old. He wanted to be an athlete and that moment changed the trajectory of his life forever. And um, for a while, he would sit in the corner of the classroom because he always wanted to make sure that he was protected and that he could see the door and have his back. And, and one moment after taking a couple courses, he, he said, Professor Michelle, I'm ready to move to the middle of the classroom. I feel safe enough where I can sit somewhere else. And wow. seemingly small thing, but a powerful um, moment that underscores the healing that this, this young man was experiencing. Uh, do you find that that they're that the students that have expressed an interest in the program share anything in common. Is there something that's sort of um, a characteristic or an experience or something you've noticed that, mm -hmm. that kind of makes them uniquely interested in uh, in participating in this kind of program? Absolutely. I I used to think, oh, I don't know if we're going to get students. We've got two really other good programs in there. Northeastern runs a program through Prison Neighborhood Arts and Northwestern has an NPET program. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of good programming happening. And the students who choose our program over the other programs, um, their number one reason is that North Park brings a learning community with it. And one of our focuses is to develop that learning community with free and incarcerated students together. Um, and outside people coming in. And so I think that community is really what sets us apart. I think also the fact that they can bring their faith to um, the program as well. And not all of our students are Christian. Most of them are, and they know that we are um, a Christian school that's with the Evangelical Covenant Church. Um, but we are also very welcome, welcoming to other faiths and other denominations. So we have some students who are Jehovah Witness and some who are Muslim, Nation of Islam. And what they see themselves doing is coming together 
to bring the best of who they are, including their faith, and to be change agents as they continue to develop, heal, form relationships, build community. Is the program limited to those who are incarcerated at Stateville or is it open to others as well? It is open to free students. We had one free student enroll in the full program uh, starting last year in the first cohort. We began our second cohort this fall and we have two more um, outside free students that are enrolled in the court in the program. So we have 76 incarcerated students right now and three full-time um, outside free students. And then we have a number of students who take courses as electives. So they'll take a course here or there that, that, that um, are participating as well. We're really trying to integrate the Stateville campus with our Chicago campus in, in all the ways that we can. Um, was there a, a specific reasoning behind wanting to combine the program at Stateville and to invite in free students, as you refer to them as? Um, yeah, we, we didn't want Stateville, um, even though it's, you know, a, a place that's very difficult to get into. We didn't want it to be seen as a separate program. We wanted to, to, see, to, to be integrated as a full North Park Theological mm -hmm. Seminary and University program. And so having as many outside people involved was really important with that. Um, we have our music department um, does gospel choir concerts jointly with the prison um, um, choir one or two times a year. And so it allows hundreds of undergraduates to come in and have some proximity with the men who are being served um, through educational programming. And we have our writing center, which is really Interesting. Um, we have a whole writing center that's being developed in the prison that has incarcerated students that are writing assistants who could, um, in theory, be tutoring both incarcerated students as well as free outside students on campus. And so things like that have been really good with integrating and also giving people proximity to those who are incarcerated. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm Mock and Baker, and we're talking to Dr. Michelle Clifton Soderstrom, director of North Park Theological Seminary's School of Restorative Arts, about the ways in which North Park's program at Stateville uh, in allows for uh, interaction between uh, incarcerated inmates and uh, students from outside. Um, and so, uh, Dr. Michelle, have you noticed? Um, any sort of unique dynamics that have emerged because you've brought together two groups that don't normally interact? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's sort of in this vulnerable space and trying to figure out what everybody's doing in there. And um, because they and we have been able to build trust, um, what we've seen is um, a sort of identification and empathy that has developed for, especially with our outside free students and faculty who go in with what is happening um, in the prison and the sort of conditions that they live in. It's a really fertile classroom, the most fertile I've seen because we have undergraduates, seminary students, and then incarcerated students. And um, they have been able to support each other, walk alongside each other, learn um, from each other, um, minister to each other. Mm. It's definitely not been a one-way street. And that process has, it's really changed all of who we are. It's the gospel in action because mm -hmm. it's not just education teaching about Christianity and faith. Mm -hmm. It's really living it. Yeah. Are you able to share any other stories of, of how the program has impacted students or yourself or any of the faculty? 
Yeah, I think um, one of the things our incarcerated students have said has been really healing and freeing for them is to have their voices heard on the outside. So whether it's in the classroom or publications or um, the NPR story that was done on one of our students, Roe, um, to have their voices get out of those walls and sort of impact the world beyond Stateville has been really good experience for them. Um, most of these guys grew up in what they would call war zones. That's all they knew. Um, to own their story also means um, looking at where they came from and um, in order for us to really transform this world beyond Stateville. We're not just looking to have these guys be change agents in the prison. They are still our citizens. Mm. And so for them to be able through their schoolwork and the relationships that they've built, get their work out there and their voices heard um, and listened to has been one of the really great benefits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like uh, within that context, um, you're potentially engaging a population in conversations about ethics and justice and morality um, that potentially has a lot of thoughts and a lot of things to say about that, um, whether systems are, are set up in a way that, that allow justice mm -hmm. to be done um, and to be able to bring st other students into that context, I'm sure provides for a very rich discussion. It does. And, and it's really been about discipleship because um, often we think about models of discipleship where a more mature Christian is discipling, you know, a newer Christian. And in this case, we're really seeing um, sort of group discipleship where um, we're having to look at um, some of the ways that we've been, you know, as resistant to really um, changing the ways we live and how we see the world and the things that we take for granted. Yeah, we, we have a client who was just recently released from prison. He was wrongfully convicted and he was incarcerated for 15 and a half years. And the, the thing that strikes me the most about him is every time I talk to him, you know, even though he lost 15 and a half years of his life, he, th there's no sense of bitterness um, and that he actually believes that that time in prison was strangely enough a blessing because it allowed him to reconnect with his faith. And that's just such a powerful testimony. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Michelle, thank you for speaking with us today. How can people learn more about North Park University and the School of Restorative Arts? Our um, School of Restorative Arts and the programming, including some of the testimony of our students firsthand, um, are on our website. And you can find that at northpark.edu slash seminary. There's also a link to donate to the program, and um, all donations go directly to the program, and they enable us to provide education, um, books, extracurricular activities such as art, music, Bible study, and worship. Thank you. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Mock and Baker. You can also reach us at 312-726-1243 or at mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thank you for listening. I'm Terry Liu, attorney at Mock and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Somebody.